Podcast pals from WHYY and BillyPenn.com. This is Hitting Season. Hey, everybody. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Phil's finally winning a series, and they did it against their good old pals. That tonic that you always reach for when you got a headache. The Washington Nationals over the weekend. Uh, the offense comes alive, and the Phillies got some good pitching performances in the last two games of that series. And uh, as we are recording this podcast here on Monday night, the Phillies are taking on an absolutely awful Detroit Tigers team. So we'll talk about that a little bit too uh, as we as we discuss this team throughout the podcast. And uh, saw an interesting stat this week about home and away and uh, the Phillies inordinate a number of road games this year. If it feels like they've been away from citizens bank park a lot, you are not crazy. So I'll give you those numbers coming up here in just a few minutes as well. Uh, joining me is my good buddy, Justin clue from baseball prospectus. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore clue. Justin also one half of the dirty inning and uh, the, um, I can see now that we don't do continued success anymore, Justin, I want to say continued success instead of absolutely hammered, but I don't. So I get them confused all the time. But anyway, absolutely hammered with uh, with Justin and Chris on the Hit and Season Patreon. Justin, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, if you don't feel like you get yelled at or near enough on this show, that's uh, yeah, that's what absolutely hammered is for. Um, but it yeah, it's a purpose. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I don't know if there is a tweet that an entire organization will ever regret more than that. Beating Philadelphia isn't as hard as Philadelphia and saying, yeah, uh, the, boy, that Nationals organization kind of went into a tailspin the right moment that, that was tweeted. That's uh, yeah. that goes on to today. So, yeah, to, to have a team like that. I mean, boy, that's it, what that's what concerns you, I think, most about a team in the, in the place the Phillies are, which is like, a, you know, you're supposed to be good. You haven't been good. What's going on? Figure it out. Team team like that starts losing to teams like the nationals especially like they did in game one when i was at my lowest and tweeted they will be in last place by the end of this series because <laughs> they were tied in last place in the middle of the series so they, yeah. they they managed to get down there uh but to be able to have a team like that that you can routinely beat up on and, and try to use to get some momentum back is yeah it's a gift so it was good to yeah. see them take care of business against washington yeah, they, they needed to. And it was really reminiscent of last year. Late September, the Phillies went into Chicago and got swept by the Cubs. And uh, I went on my tirade on that episode of the podcast where I was telling everybody the team needed to be blown up and we're going to be trading everybody. And then we forget they, they had that four game series where every single game was played in a monsoon. And they, they just they just put their heads down and played through driving rain for four straight days in, in Washington. And they lost the first game of that four game series coming out of Chicago. And I think we forget that, but then they, they won that double header and then won the getaway game on that Sunday uh, and took three out of four from Washington and then went into Houston and took care of business there uh, as the Marlins were beating up on, on the Brewers uh, to help the Phillies out during that, uh, during that time when it would look like they were going to miss the playoffs again. But the, the Washington nationals always come around. They're like, they're baseball's Neosporin for the Phillies. It's really, they just, they heal any wound that they, the Phillies may have coming into any series. Having won two out of three over the weekend, the Phillies have now won, tw this is incredible, 26 out of their last 30 games against the Nationals going back to July 29th of 2021, a game two of a doubleheader. They're 26 and four in their last 30 games against the Nationals. 
it marks the Phillies' most wins in a 30-game span against any one opponent since they won 26 of 30 against the Indianapolis Hoosiers from 1887 to 1889. No, not Coach Norman Dale's Hoosiers. This is a baseball team we're talking about, friends. So I would love to come on here and and be rah-rah about the Phillies. Oh, maybe we're back on the right track. Look, they, they beat this team routinely. You, they beat this team with one arm tied behind their back. And I don't know how much longer this success against the Nationals is, is going to go on for, but they needed it this weekend. So, listen, it was great to win two out of three. It was great to see the offense score. But, you know, I don't know that you can draw any grand conclusions from taking two out of three in the nation's capital, Justin. No, but it's not like you need to do that right now. Um, you can't win 10 in a row without winning the first two. And I'm right, not saying and that's that what we've been saying. You're right. right. We've been saying that, that exact thing. You can just you can enjoy the fact that they did not blow this series, which would have been very demoralizing. And I said before that started that they're going to probably lose some people if they lose this series, if they get swept, if they're in last place when this when the dust settles uh, here, you're going to you're going to have people check out and maybe check back in at the all star break, because that's just that is a low, low point for baseball. Uh, Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And you can enjoy, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of enjoying a win because it wasn't a loss. And the Phillies managed to win a couple of games. And to be honest, I like seeing how we've been seeing uh, guys like Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner kind of directly address their struggles in the press. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, you know, drawing from a bygone era. But uh, there have been there have been times in the recent past where communication has been poor from the Phillies. And you know, <laughs> yeah, they are not obligated necessarily to share their innermost feelings or read aloud from their diaries to us. And that's fine. That's obviously totally mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but you know, it's more like being told something just because it's words uh, as opposed to what we've been seeing and, and, uh, from the work of like Alex Coffey and Scott Lauber and the Inquirer, like talking about, uh, to these players and asking them like, hey, you know, Rob Thompson's been on the job for a year. Like, how have things changed? What's going through your head as you struggle like this? Why is the team struggling like this? And, you know, the answer is best they can. But as we've been saying, there really is no answer other than just start playing better. And I think Schwarber was really, um, especially after this series, and he he had a couple of huge home runs. And hopefully that's the start of another hot June for him. Uh, but he was especially just kind of like direct and and forthcoming in what it's like to be struggling as badly as he has these first two months and as as the team has for these first two months and it just kind of makes you feel like you're not crazy and it makes you remember like these are like real people real guys and that's easy to forget when the cone of silence is is drawn and and people are just spouting hr speak like no it was it was nice to just get uh get those kind of responses from the guys who are struggling because you know people are still frustrated but people are still rooting for him so it's uh it was right. good to see and it was it was a great series solid win yeah it was and and the the offense finally showed up so they scored 22 runs in the three games in washington after they'd only gotten three runs in the three game sweep at the hands of the mets uh the week uh, the three days before that and baseball's just such a just such a weird game i mean it really it really is the calendar flips to june kyle schwarber I thought it would be silly for him to be able to do it again. And I don't know if he will go through the month of June this this year like he did the two previous years. But he had two three-run home runs in the final game of the series. He went five for 15 in the series with those two home runs, six RBIs. Those six RBIs were all in Sunday's game. By the way, that first three-run home run by Schwarber on Sunday was the Phillies' first three-run homer since Alec Bohm's back on April 10th. That snapped a team drought of 220 three-run homerless plate appearances. 
which is just which is, it's a mind-boggling <laughs> statistic. It really, really is just crazy how they couldn't do it. And thank goodness the Nationals don't have any left-handed relievers, or else Schwarber might not have gotten either of those three-run home runs. But normally a team would bring in a left-handed reliever there. The Nationals, for reasons passing understanding, do not employ one. So he got to face some righties and got to tee off on him, and now Schwarberfest. It appears just in every is is Schwarberfest back. I guess I guess we'll see this week. <laughs> we have no reason to think that it's not yet. Uh, but uh, to your uh, to your bigger point there, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think you can sit here and necessarily expect Kyle Schwarber to be just as insane as he as he was last year in the month of June and and further on into July. Um, however. You know, there are statistical anomalies at play here, and there is a reason to believe that a uh, a turnaround is underway for, for this particular slugger. Uh, but that being said, you know, magic aside, there's no June pixie dust that he's sprinkling on his bat to become a great, you know, home run hitter. It's more that you're you're not going to make it through this whole season hitting 170 guy. So if June is just a better month for Kyle Schwarber, that's, <laughs> that's, for the, that's, that's good. That's good enough. Honestly, like I want to see him go on a tear and when he's, you know, when he's on one, he really can't not be going on a tear. That's just what he looks like when he's, when he's mm-hmm. in the zone. Uh, but yeah, right now better is, is all is, is what we need to see from Kyle Schwarber. Like this, the, the way he's been, it doesn't need a uh, an epic home run barrage to pull him out of it. It just needs him to start hitting the ball for base hits, driving in runs, and hitting home runs. Like that's that is what it needs. It doesn't need to. He doesn't need to make history. He just needs to be the player that he's here to be, and not this little leaguer whiffing at the tee. And I got I don't know if anybody else has had this thought, but it's kind of getting annoying to me now. This whole to be so bad in April and May, and then just all of a sudden you're a lights out power hitter in yeah. June. Where, 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 There's a huge like, difference between a guy who hits 250 at the beginning of the season and then really turns it on when the summer comes and a guy who can't like can't seem to see the ball or, or the, hold the bat. <laughs> give me some rational explanation for this because it's 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 frankly kind of infuriating that you can't do that you literally can't do anything for two full months. Two full months. The first two months of the season, you can't do anything. But then in June, it just it, a switch gets flipped. I, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I mean, it, it's it's not for me to get, you know. But it just it makes me. I'm annoyed by it, frankly. And it's kind of fun. I'll be happy when he's doing it this month. If he, if Schwarber goes on another rampage, and you know, we get another Schwarber fest, I'll certainly take it. But we got to figure something out here, man, because we, we, you can't keep doing this every year. You can't. You can't punt the first two months of every season. I mean, I guess unless they you like you posed the question the last time we chat, unless he hits like 60 home runs in, in two months or three months or whatever it is, I guess I guess there's a level to which I will take it. But uh, it's it's getting a little hard to take that all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, it, it's it, yeah, it is strange. And it kind of feeds into that argument of like, well, if he hits those home runs at the end of the season or the beginning, he still hit them and it still helps you. But I, I kind of hate that. That was the argument for Reese Hoskins and how like, yeah, he has a normal player amount of output. That's like actually very valuable. It's just, you know, it's, it's executed and produced in less orthodox ways, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're kind of putting aside there is how infuriating it is to watch a player like that. Cause in the case of Schwarber, I mean, look, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but based on the eye test, it didn't matter if you were a, a sophomore slumping starter coming out, trying to like 
uh, get your season right or a, a known ace throughout the game, he couldn't hit anybody. He just we wasn't he was not a threat. He was a non-entity in the batter's box. Uh, and that's why it's like so important that that's just yeah, that just needs to end because it, like I said, it's not like this is a guy who starts slow and, and gets more momentum as the season goes on. This is a guy who is not present He's in not the Phillies lineup <laughs> until apparently June starts and 60 days is a long time to be absent. That's longer than any Reese Hoskins cold streak, certainly. Yeah. Did yeah. you know that there are people who believe there's like no streakiness in baseball? They they read the papers and on streakiness from data hmm. and analysts and. And just conclude that, like, yeah, you know, every heat, every hitter is streaky in some way. Uh, or they say, you know, the point I made just now where they was like, well, it all it all evens out at the end. Uh, I found a fan graphs blog from 2020 talking about using rolling averages to more accurately do something. I don't know. The point yeah. is they were using Chris <laughs> Davis of the A's as the oh, example no. uh, back in 2020. And the and, and um This was a guy who had been terrible in the month of June that year and then got really hot in July. And what they wrote was, but months are a pretty arbitrary way to break up the season. They're an easy way to break up the season, but they don't really tell us much more about a player's ups and downs. It's not like Davis suddenly realized the calendar had turned to July and started hitting really well, which, you know, was really the only pertinent point I pulled out of that blog because, you know, again, it was very it was very hard for my simpleton's brain to understand, but <laughs> that point I felt like, yeah, that, that does kind of carry over to the Schwarber yeah. argument. Cause it's, yeah, again, he, his bat doesn't suddenly know what month it is. And he's not right. just like waiting to be good until June, which is why it is confusing. Uh, that doesn't really shine a light on what's happening for him with his whole career, but it does remind us that he's not again, just waiting to start hitting Marcus Hayes just wrote this gushing love letter to Schwarber and the inquirer that he, it was about how he like loves the guy, but the Phillies should bench him because maybe he was suffering from fatigue, but then, you know, went on to offer no real solutions or answers as to why any of this happens. And I think that's just the general thing here. You know, like maybe he was, I feel like, I feel like I just read that he was nursing an injury. He had, yeah, he's had like about. a knee, a yeah. knee issue. Yeah. Yeah. So like stuff like that's going on. I mean, you know, getting your head right, putting more pressure on yourself. I mean, we all know the, uh, the anatomy of a slump and how that can how that can happen and guys start pushing and then it gets worse and you know it's just all these x factors that come into baseball and and enter a player's head before he steps into the batter's box and you got to assume Kyle Schwarber's not immune to that and maybe he just has this like horrific case of it for two months yeah. out of the year and it typically just lasts two months but other than that I mean yeah I'm still waiting for an answer because I just I don't think we have one and I think you're right, but I think there, and I do think you're right. Play all players have streaks. Like Juan Soto was in a real bad place for a while, and and then he'll he'll heat up. I mean, we've we've seen it. There's a number of different players who 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 get into funks. Bryce Harper last year was in a funk when he came back from his injury, and then got red hot in the playoffs. And he he. But there are players who whose hot streaks are longer than their cold streaks are, mm-hmm. and there are players whose streaks do not have as many peaks and valleys also. So there are there are degrees to this. And when you I'm sorry to whoever wrote that fangrads art when you when you hit 155 over a 2 month stretch that's notable and when it happens year after year after year you you can kind of you you can kind of Take that for something, you know? So I, I I hear that. I hear the streak. And you're right. We, we look at Reese Hoskins' numbers by the end of the year. Most years, you kind of know what you're going to get from Reese Hoskins. But it doesn't make it 
when you've got all or nothing players, and it feels like the Phillies have a number of all or nothing players, JT Realmuto has been very streaky this year. He had a couple of couple three weeks where he was very hot, but outside of those three weeks, he's been very cold most of the season. And so that's that's just it's it, it's tough when you're in the moment to to then okay yeah here comes the hot streak it's it's coming any day now like Trey Turner I, I, okay maybe the hot streak's coming now I, I do think there are players who are more consistent than others and I think that has to be factored in too and and I I would like to see the Phillies be more consistent as a team offensively so would everybody so would they I imagine they would like to see it too so yeah I don't really know what to do with all the streakiness it's just I know it's there for every team and every and every player deals with it to some degree it just it just feels like for the Phillies players, they deal with it more. And maybe that's just because we have a, a, a Homer bias here where we see them more. But Right. And I, I think that's probably what it is. Uh, you know, you never know how players are being talked about in their various subcultures among their fans. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of this stuff going on. But boy, Schwarber is an extreme example. And honestly, so is Hoskins. So mm-hmm. I, I really do think despite the, uh, you know, the ability to imagine perspectives elsewhere. It's it, it's having having been watching this team as much as we do, Schwarber and Hoskins do seem like huge outliers. <laughs> and you can't you are going to have a very hard time convincing me that streakiness doesn't exist. I remember watching Raul Labanez be a streaky. Oh my player. gosh. You yeah. can't tell me that that's not a thing just because, you know, the numbers indicate otherwise. And I don't even know right. how they could. No. No. It's you just you have to admit the numbers are what they are sometimes. And so Maybe I don't I should know. Have read I, the article. Wouldn't help, <laughs> but that's all right. It's all right. We don't need we. Who needs numbers? We don't need numbers. Anyway, check out these stats. Uh, Drew Ellis. He had his uh, the Drew Ellis game. They called it on Sunday. Uh, two home runs for the, the the young right-hander for the Phils with three walks. Drew Ellis became the first Philly since Ryan Howard in July of 2007 to go three for three or better with multiple homers and walks in a game. That's a that's a stat. I don't know how you pull that. I don't even know how you would think to look that up, that one. But kudos, <laughs> kudos to the stats department for, for pulling that one. In the three-game series, he went four for nine with a 444 batting average with four walks. Uh, over the weekend, um, Nick Castellanos continues to play phenomenal. Uh, eight for 14 over the weekend, a 571 average, one double, two home runs in the series. We mentioned JT Realmuto. He got off of his cold streak, two home runs in the series. He went four for 14. The Phillies as a whole hit eight home runs in the series. And that's just, this team is supposed to hit home runs. They're built to hit home runs. And, and they finally did that this weekend against the Nationals. Um Talking about a couple of different players here, because the all-star voting is now going on, and um, I saw Mike Petriel of MLB.com. He's going to be doing like a weekly uh, list of who he thinks the all-stars should be, and that's kind of fun to kind of see how these players change throughout the course of the next few weeks. But uh, he had Brandon Marsh as one of the outfielders uh, for the National League, and Nick Castellanos was not among them. And at the time, I looked at the numbers. I was like, yeah, I kind of see that. It was like last week. Let me run down the numbers for Castellanos and Marsh and tell me which one you think is is having the more all-star worthy season here. So both guys are at one and a half wins above replacement. Castellanos coming into the game on Monday, sitting 316 with a 360 on base and a 498 slugging percentage. That's a 135 OPS plus with seven homers, 34 RBIs. Marsh, 272 with a 369 on base, so a higher on base percentage than Castellanos. With a 462 slugging percentage, so about a 30, 
29 point difference in slugging percentage, a 128 OPS plus. That's a difference of uh, seven points. Five home runs, 25 RBIs, 25 runs score, scored. Marsh plays a more important and difficult position in center field. Uh, he's at zero DWAR on the season. Castellanos in right field has actually been a much better right fielder this year, uh, but still with a negative uh, defensive wins above replacement at negative 0.4. But these guys, it's tough to, I think it's tough to make a call on who is having the more all-star worthy season. And there's still some weeks to play out. I think at some point Castellanos will pass Marsh as being the more deserving player as of the, at the moment, who do you think is the guy right now? And, and I'm taking into account your affinity for Brandon Marsh in the wet hair. Well, me too. And honestly, you know, the fun answer is why not both? You know, it's an all-star team. These are both guys who have been playing near the top of the league, at least for certain stretches of the year so far. So they certainly deserve to be there. And I think either neither, either one of them wouldn't look, you know, like a, a, a sympathy vote if they were there at the all-star game. So like that's that's a fun thing to be able to say. Uh, but that being said, I do think I, I was going to say Castellanos has, has at, the, at the moment surpassed Marsh as mm-hmm. all-star worthy. Um, as much as I like him, I mean, he still doesn't, and this isn't his fault, but he still doesn't even get played against lefties some of the yeah. time. <laughs> like, he, gets pull, he gets pulled late in games and against yeah. left-handed pitchers, yeah. He's technically in a platoon. So, like, <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of, it uh, takes some wind out of your sails just, just, just to start. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we all know Marsh was leading the league in OPS for a while there, uh, but Castellanos has been a steady presence in this offense for, for all year, all year long so far. I mean, I can't think of a time when this in this season, when Castellanos wasn't somebody I was like, okay, good. Like this is who we want up right now. I mean, he's, he, he's had a couple of poor games here and there, but um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's had anything you could even really call a rough stretch. No. And see, that's what I mean. He hasn't, (laughs) he has not been streaky this year. I wouldn't say there's been any real time where Castellanos has been red hot. But I also don't think there's been any time this year where he has really slumped. He's been very consistent. And I think yeah. that's kind of what you need more of, these kind of guys. And they're hard to find. I mean, they're just they're just hard to find. Yeah, that's why num- Castellanos is making a lot of money. His numbers are good. He's two for two so far tonight. He's knocked in one of the Phillies' runs. I mean, he's just he's a great player having a having a great year so far. So I think that's that's totally worthy of of all-star game uh appearance. And like I said. Either one of them, but uh, yeah, I would love, boy, I would love for uh, for Marsh to just just be getting more at bats to like get yeah. the at bats that he's ar- he's he's earned, you know, like he's he's been hitting lefties. It's not even like yeah. that's a black hole for him anymore. No, no, he he needs to play every day. He needs to play against lefties and righties. I mean, sure, sit him against maybe one of the really truly tough ones, but I mean the 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 guy the Phillies are are playing tonight is, is a left hander, and it's it's a it's a disaster like this guy it's not carson wentz um but same last same boy it is hard not to say it though it is though (laughs) joey wentz of the detroit tigers is one in five coming into the game with a 7.24 era in 51 innings 44 strikeouts in 51 innings my man joey wentz has a 1.71 whip i'll tell you what i think carson wentz probably could do a better job uh start as a starting pitcher than, than, than joey wentz and yet Dalton Guthrie is in the starting lineup. Like if there's ever a left-handed pitcher that you're going to start Brandon Marsh against, it would be a guy like this. Now we know Brandon Marsh has been dealing with some, uh, some injury issues. You know, maybe he's, he's had like, I think it was, a, yeah. he's got like a back issue. So maybe it's just a, a, a good excuse to get him off the field and sure. keep him fresh and to keep sure. the back from, from acting up. And if that's the case, then fine. It's a long season. That's great. But 
yeah, you can't be pulling him against left-handers every single time. He deserves to be in there. To your point, I agree. I think Castellanos has passed Marsh as the outfielder who's having the more all-star worthy season simply because of the consistency that he's shown and the fact that they don't have to pull him. And now, now they've got Castellanos hitting in the two spot, which I, I really like. I mean, they desperately need a Justin. We talked about it a couple of different times. You know, the one and two spots in the order have like the lowest on base percentage of like the fourth lowest of any one-two combination in baseball since the 1960s. So it's just been that bad. Moving Castellanos up to number two makes a lot of sense, and I kind of wish they'd done it a little bit sooner. Trey Turner in the four-hole looks a little weird, but I think that's what Rob Thompson had to do, was try and mix things up a little bit and just kind of, I don't love Schwarber at the top, but, you know, June, Schwarber, leadoff hitter, Castellanos in two, let's sure, let's roll with it. Yeah, and as far as uh, leadoff hitting goes, like, yeah, look, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't put Schwarber there either, especially the state he's been in thus far. But, uh, uh, you know, as there's a lot of people who, well, there was a, uh, a, a, a sports radio concept that was breathed life into uh, when it comes to Rob Thompson and getting to be the manager of the team. And because they... They breathed life into that. It became a topic of conversation. People talked themselves into it. This idea that Rob Thompson needs to be fired. And I'm only saying this because there are literally people out there who are like, well, they have to do something. They need to shake things up. Firing the manager in this <laughs> in this particular case isn't a just, well, let's just shake up. It's just saying like, well, this button says fire manager and I want to push it because it's a button. I don't really care what it does or the repercussions (laughs) of having done it or all the reasons there are not to press it, but it's a button and I want to press it. It's like an app on your, it's like an app on your phone. Sometimes, you know, they just, they, they're really bright and they're colorful. I just want to push them. I don't even know what it does. It might charge me money on my bank account. I just want to push the button. My phone's getting so hot. Uh, What does that mean? Uh, But yeah, there's, uh, (laughs) there's other ways to shake things up and you wonder how, and uh, you, then you see this and you're like, oh, well we can dramatically shift the lineup around again, because that's also addressing the issue you just brought up that there's been historically poor production from the one and two holes in the lineup. Uh, And uh, guys are struggling um, wherever they're hitting and maybe may benefit from just being lower in the lineup, higher in the lineup, somewhere else, just a shift in perspective because you never know. We're just going to it sort of feels like he just like threw all the cubes in a boggle thing and shook them around just to see what new words they they could spell. Uh, And that's that's the kind of shakeup this team needs like stuff at that level. So, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it's the kind of thing you need to do when a team is just stuck in a rut, which the Phillies mm-hmm. are. And it, you don't yeah. have to, you know, fire any coaches or managers yet um, to, to, to accomplish it. So I, I, yeah, I, I can't say, obviously you send a new lineup out there and it hits Phillies Twitter and a million people can point out why it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the Phillies need some change and they need to, you know, they need to quote unquote, shake things up. And this was a good way to do that. Yeah. And I, I want to also be remiss. Like we, we are 25 minutes into this podcast and I don't, we haven't really addressed um, the the big the big issue and, and that is you know the pitching the, the pitching has been a big problem for this team and over the weekend you know you got a uh, I don't know how to categorize Zach Wheeler's starts anymore you know what I mean he gets <laughs> they 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 seem bad you know and and he gives up a lot of runs he gives up a lot of hits but he also seems to get done in by uh, by his defense quite a bit um, 
you know, it's I don't know that that was the, the the problem on Friday entirely. He just he didn't have the same kind of electric stuff that he did against the Mets before in in the start before with that when he lost. But um, the Nationals hit him around. I mean, they hit him hard. But then so you lose the the Zach Wheeler game, the game that you really should win out of out of all those three games. And then you win the bullpen game and then very easily. And then you win the Ranger Suarez game. And I, I think the number one, we talked a lot about the offense, but th the most positive thing to come out of this series was Ranger Suarez. And it, it certainly seems as though his first few starts back from the injured list, those were his spring training starts. Just trying to get his legs under him, trying to find his release point, trying to get all his pitches working and get his command underway. His last two starts have been outstanding. On Sunday, he went seven innings, gave up just one earned run. There were eight hits. I mean, he had to walk, work around nine base runners. He had a walk in there as well and only struck out three guys. But um, pitched to contact, and, and the guys hit balls to the Phillies fielders, and they didn't hit them too far out of their range, so they turned them into outs. And over the last two starts, Suarez has gone 13 and two-thirds innings, just three earned runs allowed, 13 hits, a 1980 ERA. Still a 265 average allowed. You'd like to see that come down, but overall, very, very positive signs from Ranger Suarez. I think that was the biggest thing to come out of this series was the fact that he pitched well. Oh, absolutely. Every time a pitcher puts together a, a um, helpful, victorious, or impressive performance right now, you'll want to believe, okay, okay, We there's somebody here who's able to take control. Uh, you're just looking for some stability out of your rotation right now. It has been what feels like a loose collection of parts with a lot of confusing issues to which there are no answers. Did we even get a conclusive response to the idea of like, was Aaron Nola's velocity drop on purpose or not? Like, we what are we, what, what are we, we doing here? Yeah, so like stuff like that's just kind of out there. And then, you know, then you see Nola tonight Taking on, yes, a crappy team, but he's got what, like nine strikeouts? <laughs> he's got he's got other things happening as we're recording this that we're not going to talk about. But yes, <laughs> seven strikeouts through uh, through uh, uh, through five, five innings. innings. Yeah. So yes. like, you know, he's, he's looking good. It's a very good looking game and a great start for him. But uh, so far, but, um, you know, that that has been. You know, there's been a complete lack of consistency and a complete lack of stability, it feels like, in this rotation. And that's really, really hurt the Phillies because occasionally before when this team was operating the way uh, it's designed to, even the nights where the offense could only squeeze out two or three runs, you could perhaps at least entertain the idea that they would have a pitcher on the mound who could carry it for them, who could mm -hmm. make that stand up. And it just doesn't feel like right now that's the case. You know, yes, the, the Suarez start was very... Um, encouraging um and you know I, I don't think there's any reason to to think he won't continue to improve and continue to to operate at that level because yeah he is coming back from from missing time due to injury uh, and him being there and being able to pitch well is going to be a huge boon for the phillies because like you said we don't know what the heck's going on with zach wheeler and nola is a whole other thing like that he's his own little yeah. mystery type of he, he's there's he's an outlier in his own little subgroup uh, Wheeler is just like, boy, you were really hoping that when Nola was acting up, Wheeler would be able to, okay, well, at least we have him. At least we have this guy as our number one, but yeah, he is just leaking runs all year. Um, it feels like he, he is not immune to the, to the bad innings that haunt Aaron Nola as well. Uh, but as far as the defense goes, yeah, you know, they want to be able to rely on their defense too. But of these three aspects of the game, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say people are ignoring the defense uh, and, and all their problems, but like, are you ignoring the AC that doesn't work in your car when the tire blows out? 
Like, no, you're just talking about it at the moment because you're drifting into the other lane and it's about to be too late. So I will say that this team is not supposed to be a defensive highlight reel, but every time it costs them a run or just makes them look stupid, which it does occasionally, the defense comes you know front of mind and you're like, oh, right. Yeah, we got to work some of that stuff out too, but you can't be bad at all three facets of the game and then point at right. the defense and say, yeah, but we knew that was going to happen. So is that really a weakness? Yes. No, it still is. That's not going to make anyone feel any better, but we do know that this team can get away with having the defense. It has when their starters are able to get out and go deep and their offense puts up six or eight runs. Uh, so, you know, that, that the defense is good enough to make the performances of these other you know, of their pitching and their offense uh, work like it's 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 able to fit in, even though it's not a particular strength of this team. Uh, so, yeah, I, I you know, I'm sure Wheeler would like to be able to rely on his defense a little more. And boy, there have been a couple of games for lately where they have just looked like absolute clowns out there. And you're, yeah, you're you just it's almost it becomes embarrassing. And that, that's when people get really yeah. frustrated. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 there's not a part of this team that I really ignore. You know, do I like that the defense has cost them some, some runs and, and some games, you know, also no. Is it the first thing I worry about when Aaron Nola is on the mound? Absolutely not. So the Suarez start was very encouraging. I'm glad they didn't blow it for him defensively. Um, and yeah, we're going to like all things uh, that are improving about this team. You just, you got to see more before you feel comfortable. Right, right. Now, and that's right. You got to see how this plays out. And you know, we, Aaron Nola, I do feel like we'll figure things out this year. I mean, I he's having a great night tonight. Um, and we'll see how we'll see how good the night gets. But Taiwan Walker is, I think, maybe the key to this entire Phillies season, the entire key to the Phillies making the playoffs. Because I do think Nola will get better. Walker's a complete and total wild card right now. He he doesn't know, he he doesn't, he has no idea what's going wrong. He he's a he's like some starts, he's throwing a mile and a half mile an hour slower than than he normally does and he can't find the strike zone and but but you know some he had like four quality starts in five but then just there's there's no rhyme or reason to what's going on with this guy and they they signed him to a multi-year deal i i they they this is this is the the issue and i saw a couple different people write about this today the phillies offense i think most people believe will will stabilize will come around and they'll hit and they'll score but they got to get the starting pitching figured out, and they got to get the defense figured out. And the starting pitching, particular, it's Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. Those two guys got to be guys. Ranger Suarez, I think we're seeing kind of what he is, and that's good over these last couple of starts. But Taiwan Walker, if he doesn't figure this out, they're in real trouble because they're already down a starter. They already don't know what to do in the number five spot, the rotation. And now you're going to throw your number four guy into the mix. There's only so many things Dombrowski is going to be able to do at the trade deadline, and and I, I don't, I have no idea. I'm, I mean, I'm severely pessimistic about Taiwan Walker every time he gets on the mound right now. Yeah, no, no, same. You know, I was saying Nola is his own kind of issue. I mean, so is Walker. They have these two complete kind of mysteries out there. You know, you, I feel like there's been more coverage and a little more specificity as far as what Nola's been struggling with. But like you said, with Walker, it's just like, what are we going to what are we about to see? What, what What's about to happen? Uh, because yeah, I, I I can still track it in my head. He left that one game with forearm tightness. He came out and got blasted out of the you know first or second inning in his next start. Then he had two really good starts in a row. Did he throw a complete game at one point? Am I nuts? No, he didn't. No, That's, no, no. You know. But he threw he threw like very deep into two consecutive games, and then it was kind of like back to the uh, the wonkiness and the inability to get it over the plate and allowing base runners and. You know, at, yeah, you, you have no idea what to expect, and that's not what the Phillies need out of the number three spot in their rotation, not at all.
no. So I think that's going to be a big problem. And they got to get the defense figured out here, with, especially up the middle. Like with Kyle Schwarber, you're not expect. I mean, they got to get Kyle Schwarber out of left field somehow. Like Bryce Harper, please. I hope that elbow. I don't. I don't want anything bad to happen to that elbow. But the the sooner he can get to first base, and the sooner they can open up the DH spot to get Kyle Schwarber out of left field and on the bench when somebody's pitching will make all the difference in the world. It will allow you to go out and, and upgrade your defense in left field and or get a, a combo, good offensive and defensive player that you could put out there at the trade deadline, whatever it might be, but they got to get him out of there. But with Marsh, Turner, Stott, and Real Muto, I think we were expecting those to be well above average defensive positions, and they haven't been so far. Um, Real Muto, I think, really has been the only guy that's been well above average. Trey Turner's defensive metrics look okay, but you we've all seen Trey Turner this year. He has not played a great defensive shortstop. Um, Brandon Marsh has made a lot of mistakes in center field. He's got talent for sure, and he can he can track down a ball, but he also misplays balls. And and he has not been has has not been rock solid defensively. So they really need to get those areas straightened out. And the defense certainly helps the starting pitching. I think Zach Wheeler has been hurt a lot by bad defense, but I also think Zach Wheeler has not had his electric stuff most nights. So uh, we'll kind of see how they, we'll see if Taiwan Walker can straighten this out. And then I know there's a lot of people who are complaining about letting Zach Eflin go and letting Kyle Gibson go. I have absolutely zero regrets about letting either guy go. Justin, I know you guys were talking about Kyle Gibson a couple of weeks ago that he had a great first 10 starts last year with the Phillies. I remember us talking about him as a potential all-star and then he absolutely fell apart. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, let me, let me be clear here that yes, we were taught, we were laughing about Kyle Gibson's success with the Orioles lately, which has been uh, um, very impressive, but in no way was that a conversation about how, how stupid the Phillies are for letting him go uh, out of these two guys we're talking about Eflin and Gibson nobody was going to complain when they let Gibson go. Uh, like nobody, even, even if no. you had told that, well, you know, there's a chance he could be good next year. Like, yeah, I'm willing to take the chance. Honestly. Like I, I just am at, at, at that point, that guy's not getting that deal. I mean, it's never a mistake to make the decision you're paid to make, you know, from like Dombrowski's perspective here. Like he had to, they were at the point where they started, they needed to start making moves on this roster and they needed to clear space. And this is an area where they felt like they could do better. And when they signed Taiwan Walker, I don't think a lot of people were very upset about it. And in fact, it was probably just a, a quick break from the, Hey, let's extend Aaron Nola conversations that were going on that a lot of people have rethought by now too. Uh, it'd be a mistake if the Phillies filed the wrong paperwork and lost Zach Eflin. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. it, was a, it was a mistake. That's a mistake. When the Phillies stepped into that trap, the Braves laid out for them and accidentally lost their pitching coach to the Braves. That was a mistake. That's a mistake. But, yeah. But letting Eflin go, you don't get to use like hindsight to prove a point like that. Eflin is having the kind of year I feel like he was probably projected to have. The, uh, the Dombrowski made a choice. He felt he uh, had a lower likelihood of, of, of not panning out, and he likely based that choice on who he was targeting in free agency and, more importantly, the fact that he had just watched his top two starters carry the team through the playoffs. And he doesn't get to play in the waters of Nola is good, Nola is bad. You know, it's one or the other. He's the one who's got to make decisions based on some definition of Nola that, that he's decided on uh, before he makes a move like this. So I don't fault him for letting Gibson go. The past is fact, and the future is fiction. 
Gibson's pass for the Phillies in the second half, or Gibson, yeah, for in the second half of 2022, did not have anyone clamoring for him to return. Eflin's a little different. He did a lot for the Phillies, but they felt they could replace him in free agency. I think they were just confident they they weren't they, they were they were willing to spend, and that was an area where they wanted to improve, and they felt like they could. They felt like they could do better. And, you know, that also has not worked out consistently. But they thought the same thing about replacing Gene Segura with Trey Turner. And, you know, we keep saying they're a better team because they did that. And he has two home runs tonight now, too. So, like, that's very encouraging. So, what, do we really have the object permanence of a dog? Have we never watched a full baseball (laughs) season before? Like, I kind of do have the object permanence of a dog. I'll I'll just, (laughs) I'll own that. I mentioned Abanez already, but this is, you know, it also factors in here. He he was terrible when he first came here and then got crazy hot and became a fan favorite. Nick Castellanos was bad for the whole year last year. And for some reason, he's the only struggling Phillies player people can remember and compare someone to as though we needed evidence that a guy can struggle for a full season. Like, no, we, we know that guys can come here and struggle guys go to a new team. That's not the Phillies and struggle. Like it, it does happen. So as far as like, Oh, it was a mistake to let Eflin go. Uh, critiques like that. I just, I don't know where to land on it because you got to consider it. You can't, you can't look at it now and then look back on it. You got to consider like what you were thinking at the time. What were the factors at the time? What were the context at the time? You didn't have this information. You didn't have how Eflin's been doing for the race yet. You had no idea. He's a guy with bad knees. Who's also missed some health time. And again, the Phillies were, uh, were opening their checkbook and, and thinking about who, who they wanted to, to acquire to fill that role. Uh, so that they could go back to the World Series. And this was just, you know, the plan they had to do that. I don't think anybody would have been upset if they kept Eflin. I think they would have been very confused if they kept Gibson. Uh, but yeah, I don't think anybody would have would have complained that they didn't get Eflin. But then again, what am I talking about? People, of course, would have complained. They would have said yeah. Taiwan Walker yeah. was out there. You know, they yeah. would have said Jose Quintana was out there. You know, they, I would have complained. I would have complained. complained. <laughs> so like, yeah, there's there's no there's no genius in hindsight. So that's that, that kind yeah. of stuff. I feel like people, you know, they just don't think about that. Yeah, no. And I just feel like, you know, with with both of those guys, there are there are very, very good reasons to move on. And I for me, Zach Eflin, I've just look at the I mean. Look at the numbers. He's his career ERA is in the mid fours. He's he's not a guy that you would overpay to be a part of your rotation, and he's also missed major parts of seasons with chronic knee problems in both knees. I'm just I'm just skeptical that he's a long term solution for a starting rotation, or that he can be. They couldn't depend on him last year when they were fighting for a playoff spot. They eventually used him out of the bullpen, and that worked great. If he was going to be a bullpen guy, I would have been all for re-signing him, but. Same thing with Kyle Gibson. What it just wanted no part. And I guarantee you, by the end of the season, Kyle Gibson will fin it will have an ERA over four and a half. At least. At least I would. Oh man, if I bet money on things, I would bet money on that. But I don't bet money on things. <laughs> uh, I gotta have money to bet money. All right, listen. Um, a couple other things before we wrap up here. I saw this stat today. I thought it was very fun. And this may be a reason for hope. Major League Baseball teams with the largest difference in games played at home versus on the road. To date, this is coming into uh, tonight's game against the Tigers. The Phillies had played 11 more road games than home games this year. Most of any team in baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays are right behind them at minus 10. But after that, it's the Mets at minus 6. And then the Angels and and Guardians at minus 5. So the Phillies have played more road games than home games. More so than any other team in baseball so far this year. Now, that's reflected by their record. They are 13-22 and away from home. That's a 371 winning percentage, 14 and 10 at home. That's a 583 winning percentage. Of course, they are going to win. I'm I'm going to say it as we're recording this. 
they're blowing out the Tigers. It's like five, six, nothing, whatever. Trey Turner has two home runs. Aaron Nola's dealing. They're not losing this game. They're going to win this game. They're going to go 15 and 10 at home. 59% of their games after the All-Star break are at home. So they do play better at Citizens Bank Park. I just throw that out there, Justin, as, as something to consider because I also go back and I think now, I look at the, those opening two series of the season where they started off one and five. The Texas Rangers... Oh my gosh. Have the, have the, they, they've, their offense is among the greatest offenses in baseball history through the first two months of a season. Through the first two months of a season, statistically, their, their, win, their, their run differential is off the charts. And then you have the Yankees, who are also playing really well. Like two of the seven or six best teams in baseball, the Phillies got right out of the gate on the road. And I think that really got them off into a negative headspace. You know, I think that just got them oh, set absolutely. off in, in a, and I thought it was the catalyst for these struggles over these last two months. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I mean, look around you. There were very few people who didn't have uh, a very negative mindset after that one and five start. So in a small, sad way, it is like almost, I guess, vindicating to see that the Rangers are legit. They aren't just some mid to low average team that had the Phillies number the first weekend of the season. So, and, and honestly, it's now they're not playing them. It's it's cool to see a surging Rangers team, which we have not seen for a long time, uh, that uh, really, you know, at, at the moment look like they could they could go tit for tat with the Houston Astros. So absolutely. That's a cool thing to see. Uh, so, yeah, as, as a standalone, it was, you know, that's that's great. And yeah, like you said, it does it all offer a slight bit of comfort that the Phillies didn't, you know, yeah, yeah they, they screwed up enough to lose as much as they did. But they also got beat by a team that's apparently very good and and uh, has has looked for real for now. So they have yeah. they have a they have a plus one fifty two run differential. The next closest is the Rays at one four at one twenty five, and then after that there there's nobody there there's there's nobody uh, like higher than fifty eight no sixty three. The Braves are plus sixty three. Like it's just it's mind boggling one fifty two. They've scored three hundred seventy six runs this year. That's that's insane. The Phillies, by, they've scored three seventy six. The Phillies have scored two hundred fifty two. So it's just there's a just a huge chasm between those two teams. The, the Rangers are just amazing right now. But yes, you're right. It's I think it just kind of set them off in a bad spot. Um, and uh, you know it was an unfortunate scheduling thing. You know where you're starting off two series interleague series on the road against two of the best teams in the American League. As it turns out, uh, that is a that's a tough way to go. Um, so the Phillies now up against the Detroit Tigers in these three games. And the, listen, we've, we've often complained about the Phillies this year. We've called them a bad team. We've called them they're, they're bad, good players playing bad baseball, all that. I think you're seeing the difference actually between what the Phillies are and what real bad looks like. Like Nick Maton is hitting fifth in their lineup tonight, and he's hitting 162 with a 286 on base and a 304 slugging percentage. Like, they lost Riley Green, who's maybe their best hitter, and their right. best pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, for for long periods of time. This Tigers team, this might be the worst team to come into Citizens Bank Park this year. Um, have the A's been here yet? No, they have not. No, they I, have not. I feel like they would have something to say about it. It's that. close. It's a horse race. Um, but yeah, the, honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a tragedy because this year, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson were really supposed to be having show me years where they were going to come out, improve on some stumbles last year and kind of show that they are part of, they're the two young leaders of this offense in Detroit that are going to come out and, and be the future of this ball club. But nope, 
nope, nope. Yeah, once again, they're kind of struck by by poor luck, and yeah, they're now they're now they're without Green for a while. So yeah, this has been uh, the kind of swings we're seeing. The way that guy uh, stumbled trying to steal second, and Real Muto was able to throw him out. That we now had two separate batters strike out on stri- uh, pitch clock violations, both of them on the Tigers. I got to tell you, first of all. I was. It was nice to get some clarity that that is considered a called third strike because I yep. was, that was a question yep. that was driving me nuts for a while. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, is this what it's like to play the Phillies? Because boy, this this sure feels like I'm 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 used to seeing these things happen to the guys in red pinstripes. So, yeah, I can see why people have so much fun playing the Phillies because this has been a very interesting and in a lot of ways thus far satisfying game. And it's it's yeah, it's nice to be on the other side of it for once. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And looking at the schedule coming up, the Phillies do have uh, a, de- a good number of home games coming up, which is good. But they'll get three against the Dodgers after the Tigers leave town. So you talk about a whiplash. Um, you'll get the Dodgers Brutal. after the Tigers. Then they got to go into Arizona, a house of horrors for them again. Uh, they got to go like a third time. They're going out west this season already. <laughs> I, I think it's their last California trip. Yes. I do. So they go to Arizona, Arizona, and then, and, but yeah, and and Oakland. So maybe, oh, yeah, right. oh. maybe not so bad this time, the, the the third leg of that. But then they get three at home against the Braves, three at home against the Mets, where they play they play much better against the Braves at, at Citizens Bank Park. They go into the Cubs for three games, and then they get three games at home against the Washington Nationals. That's just kind of the next uh, the next eight series coming up where you've got five of the next eight series at home. So that's good. Um, Phillies can get some home cooking there and maybe make up some ground. But, you know, this is a... A great time for the Phillies to get well. These, these two games against the Nationals on Saturday and Sunday and this three-game series against the Tigers, there really is no excuse not to sweep this Tigers team. And I, no. To sweep them at home. You, they, they absolutely, there's no reason to lose a game to these guys. They're terrible. They're going to they're gonna pitch a bullpen game against the Phillies on Tuesday. So the Phillies get the Tigers' bullpen on Tuesday. There's just no excuse not to sweep this team this week. It would be a disappointment if they don't. Unless you have absolutely no confidence as a member of the Phillies, you you guarantee you're winning that game like come right. on come on this is one of the yeah. worst teams this is one of the worst two teams in baseball Aaron Nola who has you know we we the subject of so many conversations uh has you know just struck out another batter while I was talking I believe that was the second striking out the side inning he's had uh tonight alone mm-hmm. and you know he's also there's other things some, happening he's also got there's something else happening. going on so and I will tell yeah. you, if, if, this, <laughs> if this other thing happens we may have to revisit our podcast uh, but <laughs> but um, um but yeah there's no like you're saying there's no excuse not to sweep this team yeah all right final thoughts justin as we wrap up i got a couple um one thing i wanted to talk about uh real quick drew ellis coming up and you know you mentioned the drew ellis game and that's always cool to see a guy come up out of nowhere and and, you know, the team acquires him and you're just like, OK, whatever. He's a guy. And then he comes through in a huge way immediately. And, yeah, that that's cool. And it made me want to look up uh, or, or at least try to remember when this has happened for the Phillies before. And I found a pretty satisfying answer, honestly. I didn't go too far into the past, but I've got a good one and an honorable mention I wanted to I wanted to share. Um, the Phillies were kind of hot when they signed Robert Bernardina as a free agent or Roger Bernardina as a free agent in August, 2013, they'd won nine of their last 12 when he got here, which is hotter than I remember that team being. Uh, but in his first five games, he had five hits, including two doubles and a Homer. 
And while holding down center, he made a leaping catch to rob Arizona's Matt Davidson of a home run into the Ivy Bushes at CVP. And he got Roy Halladay out of an early jam in that game, too, by making that catch. Then he made another diving grab on a sinking liner in the seventh, which again prevented a run from scoring on both grabs. Or uh, Yeah, and he hit a homer on August 24th when the Phillies were down 7-1. to one. That keyed them mm. to a big comeback victory that wound up going 18 innings. And because he hit a home run when he did, he won somebody $1,000 in the Daily News home run payoff inning. <laughs> people believed at this time, I'm telling you, after this week, people believed the Phillies center fielder of the future had arrived. I remember seeing that like oh in places. Like this, this is Roger Bernardino. Like, relax. Uh, and as an honorable mention, I wanted to I wanted to say Juan Perez, who pitched for the Phillies for about a month in 2011 from June to July. He allowed two walks and no hits in his first five appearances on in, in July 8th. and He hadn't pitched in two weeks uh, by then. He just started chucking breaking pitches up there against the Braves and struck out Jason Hayward, Nate McLeod and Wilkin Ramirez on nine pitches for the second immaculate inning in ah. Phillies history. And the first one I ever saw live. So with the 2011 Phillies having one of the greatest starting pitching staffs of all time, Chris Wheeler was like, the Braves are probably like, God, now who's this guy? Like, where, <laughs> they get, where they get him? He's out here throwing already. dominant breaking pitches. Uh, but yeah, just uh, real quick. The broadcast opened tonight with John Crook wearing a fanatic hat. I don't know if you saw this, like a ball cap with like a fanatic kind of looking logo on it. I didn't have the sound on, so I didn't know what, if they talked about what it was or anything or addressed it, but like, that's that's what I'm talking about when we talk about incorporating the fanatic with the uniform. It was exactly yeah. what I've always wanted. So ah, that was just that. an important note. And also, uh, Dave Urim, uh, who covers the Phillies, he tweeted um, Reese Hoskins is going to be with the team. Um, oh, I think for this series or maybe while they're home, uh, which I think is just uh, that's that's awesome. That's huge. I saw that's Alec Bohm in the dugout tonight. You know, he looked like he was having a good time. So I, I think having Reese Hoskins around is important. And I know they said that was going to happen. And I know he's probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going through it in a lot of ways. But like to have him around in the kind of role he has with this team and the way the other guys have talked about him and the way that Bryce Harper calls him the captain. I think that's going to have some some good value. So it's it's just good. It's just good to have him back around. Absolutely. He can only he can only help this team. Everybody loves Reese Hoskins and um that would be very cool, I'm sure, for for his teammates to be there. Maybe give him a lift this week. That would be that would be great if he could do that. Stay through the Dodgers series, Reese. Don't 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 leave through the Dodgers series. You know, maintain the vibes uh until the Dodgers leave town. Uh all right, folks. Look, that's gonna do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And my thanks to Justin. Uh, for for joining me, and uh, we'll have Liz on uh, at the uh, at the end of the week with with Justin. Liz just getting a a day off after a, a tremendously fun weekend. Uh, congratulations to um, Liz and her family for a big celebration they had this weekend. So congratulations there, and um, want to remind you all to check out our Hit and Season Patreon, where we've got lots of extra podcasts there. Of course, Justin's Dirty Inning uh, that he does with Trev, and of course, uh, there's Absolutely Hammered that he does with Chris. You can only get that at our Hit and Season Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash hit and season. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Hit and Season.